To be a citizen of the Imperium of Man in the Warhammer 40k universe is to live a life that is nasty, brutish, and short. You toil endlessly in a mundane and likely very dangerous job. All around you you see a faceless bureaucracy, and you're under constant threat of execution, lobotomization, imprisonment, and just plain demonic possession. To be a mutant citizen of the Imperium of Man is to not be a citizen at all. It is to be shunned, brutalized, hunted for sport, and likely existing below even the lowest of the low. If your skin is a shade too pale, your body type doesn't match those of the planet you find yourself travelling to, you might be the victim of an anti-mutant pogrom, which will be allowed, assisted, or even orchestrated by the local police forces. But not every mutant is going to have that horrible a fate. If you are a sanctioned aberrant, if you are an abhuman, it means you are allowed live by virtue of the fact that you are useful. And by live, we all know that 99.9% of the time, that life will be spent fighting the enemies of the Imperium and probably last several years at best. Unless, of course, You have a third eye in the middle of your head and can guide starships. Then you're going to be part of the Imperial Elite. So from sticky-fingered hobbits to intergalactic catgirls, just what do abhumans add to the Warhammer 40k setting and to sci-fi in general? Let's check it out. Hey everybody, Dan here. Welcome to Grimdark Battle Station, the show that has the normal amount of tentacles and takes sci-fi too seriously. Our topic this week is of course the state-sanctioned mutants of the Imperium of Man, the Abhumans. A group of characters that appear quite often in a lot of the lore, but never really get particularly fleshed out, except for one-off characters and supporting cast members, etc. And that's no surprise, given that the Imperium of Man is vast, and there's trillions if not quadrillions of souls toiling away and dying every day. But it's noteworthy that a human civilization spanning a galaxy and over a million worlds that has such a high chance for general mutation among such a large population that these characters are often seen as being in the shadows, figuratively and quite literally. When you add in the environments of these planets, you know, the level of industry and toxicity, uh, recessive gene pools, and indeed the hand of genetic engineers, not to mention chaos, it's amazing that we don't have so many different types of aberrants from different types of worlds. Why the galaxy at large doesn't have hundreds of millions of taller, tentacled, or totally soulless people running around. And you know what, they probably do, but the Imperium of Man is efficient at one thing, and one thing only, and that is extreme levels of violence. So they probably have an average life expectancy in the low double digits of years. Indeed, in one of the Warhammer crime novels, one of the uh, police officers talks about how he saw some spacefarers get set upon by a mob and burned alive, men, women, and children. And that was because their skin was a sickly pale of grey because, well, they were born in void ships, so they'd been travelling the stars and hadn't really been on a terrestrial planet, 
so they look different. And the police officer in question doesn't particularly feel too bad about it, and neither did his colleagues. It was all carried out under the belief that it's better to be safe than sorry. So some form of death at the hands of your fellow citizens, or horrendous toil in manual labour that's even worse than the average imperial citizen, which is quite difficult to comprehend, or turning to chaos seem to be about the only options open to you, right? Of course, you can go hide in big places if you live on a hive world where hundreds of millions of people live in a single city with thousands of floors. You probably could live beneath the surface quite comfortably, but you'll never really be safe. Because in a galaxy of infinite horrors, you have happened to land on the lowest rung of the totem pole. But that doesn't mean it's all bad news. If you are particularly good with a rifle, or particularly good with a club, or particularly good with seeing the currents of the warp, or particularly good at being a goat person, you might yet survive for several years until you look at the wrong person the wrong way, or you land on the wrong planet and you're immediately executed, and the person that kills you suffers no consequences whatsoever. It's difficult being a mutant or an or an ab human in Warhammer 40k. And it shows us a lot about how on Earth and in our current society we, we treat people with differences and how easy it can be to otherize people and only accept people when they have a practical use and they stay within their own lane and don't get ideas above their station. Of course, the first group of abhumans we're going to talk about can't get ideas above their station because they're only about two feet tall. The ratlings are the cooks thieves, black marketeers, and snipers extraordinaire of the Astra Militarum. They are effectively a bunch of space hobbits from the planet called Ornsworld. They love food, they're small, they have hairy feet, they're capable of feats greater than their stature would suggest. But that's where the similarities with Shire Folk end. They're also thieves, black marketeers, they're quite insular, and while on the surface they may be friendly, they have a reputation for being deceitful. Uh, and being debaucherous. I'm sure whatever country you're listening to this podcast in right now has some sort of stereotyped group who ticks most, if not all, of these boxes. Used as cooks, snipers, scouts, and fixers within the Astra Militarum, they generally keep to themselves, but they are grudgingly accepted and respected because they're so damn good with a sniper rifle, and they're so damn good at procuring bootleg liquor, and they're so damn good at cooking. Plus, they're so light-fingered that if you did disrespect them, you'll probably find yourself shy a few ammo cartridges in the middle of a firefight and hear the giggling of some drunken hobbits about a kilometre away from their sniper sides. Short jokes notwithstanding, what's life like for the Rattlings? Well, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's unlikely to be as terrible as the average mutant, indeed far from it. And their ability to steal, cook, fight and source black market goods will give them value in any situation they find themselves in. But it also makes them fair game for retribution. As I said at the start, if you kill an abhuman, you're unlikely to face anything near the same consequences as if you killed another human. You might face more than if you killed a multi-tentacled mutant, but you can probably get away with it. And especially if these abhumans have a reputation for thievery, if you find some stolen property on them, you'll probably get a medal. And it's not like the Rattlings are going to live 
outside of this threat. If they're off Orn's world, they're probably having to do some sort of service to the Astra Militarum, which means they're always going to be around danger. They're not going to be able to increase their station. They will be a rattling or a leader of a group of rattlings, but they're not going to become much more than that, and they're not going to have any agency. Overall, in terms of the life of the average Imperial citizen, it's not too bad. It, it, it's probably average, if not slightly above average. Which of course it is, because they're quite useful. If they weren't good with sniper rifles, they would have probably all been wiped out. They wouldn't be acceptable mutants. Because lives are the Emperor's currency, and if you can spend it wisely, as snipers can, then you can find a place in his eternal service. Speaking of hyper-violence and spending life in the Emperor's service killing people, Ogrens are giant, lovable, hyper-violent ignoramuses. They are space ogres. They can lift a tank when angry, but are unlikely to be able to talk and tie their boots at the same time. A common misconception about Ogrens is that they're really stupid. It appears that this isn't always the case. They just appear to be exceptionally slow. Ogrens can be taught to do most things, and they can be taught to follow out most orders. The only challenge is that it will take an insane amount of time to get them to do anything that isn't particularly simple, which is why they usually work with commissars, the political officers of the Imperium, who to the Ogren represent the Emperor of Mankind, who they have a simple yet unshakable devotion to. With some of them reaching 3 meters in height, they are effectively the only leveler that average humans like me and you have in a galaxy of 2 meter tall space marines and demons and orcs. And what's great and interesting is that the Ogrens aren't just found on one world, which means that Ogrens evolve or have been made to evolve under a set of specific circumstances like barren, cold, high-gravity planets. The life of an Ogren is one spent in military service. It is the use of their physical strength to fulfill tactical level objectives. They will be used to beat the crap out of people with giant clubs, shoot their grenade launcher tier ripper guns at enemies, act as bodyguards to important imperials or commissars, and even in one case act as the wardens on a very, very peaceful prison ship. Their equal measures of ferocity and slow-wittedness is a perfect match for the Astra Militarum and the Imperium in general, a bureaucracy that is hyper-violent and incredibly slow to act. They live a relatively content life because everything's black and white. They love the Emperor, they know the Emperor loves them, and they know that they have to listen to their officers. And if their officers are hurt, then the people that hurt them are the enemies, and they have to kill those enemies right now, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says, they're going to go kill those guys. Of course, this means that they're in constant danger. They're never given any agency, and, you know, characters like Nord Dedog, pretty much Forrest Gump tier intelligence, and the bonehead Ogrens who get cybernetic upgrades are pretty much Forrest Gump tier intelligence. You never really know whether they're living a simple and content life or whether they're just trapped in a cycle of violence and simple orders. Now, that's not particularly different from the average Astra Militarum trooper who is trapped in a system of violence and slowly executing orders. 
But even still, Ogrons appear to be thrown in to particularly dangerous situations that even general Astro Militarum lives might not be risked in. So obviously not a particularly horrible life, but if you've played Darktide, you'll know that the Ogrons have a lot of very simple and charming catchphrases, and it's hard not to see them as giant overgrown puppies or to root for them like Forrest Gump. So on balance, you're probably going to think that their life is particularly sad, even though it's probably borderline average. A navigator's life, though, is, is, is not average in any way, shape or form. Navigators are humans that possess the navigator gene. It's a special psychic ability that manifests as a third eye in the middle of their head that allows them to guide ships through the warp and to essentially harness warp energy in a lot of different ways that are kind of like psychers but not entirely like psychers. They are members of interconnected networks of noble families called the Navis Nobilitae and they operate all across the galaxy carrying out trade, joint ventures, and guiding every different type of starship in and out of the warp. They have a seat on the High Lords of Terra, the ruling council of the Imperium of Man. That's how practical their mutation is. They are an aberrant strain of human genetics, and they sit on the ruling council of the entire Imperium. Pretty clear why, though because you can't travel for more than a couple of light years without a navigator, because if you try to, you will be ripped apart by demons. In a galaxy that's 100,000 light years across, navigators make it possible that you can travel the entire breadth of the galaxy in several months instead of taking hundreds of years. They use this power they have to also invest and partner in trade with the Chartist captains and the rogue traders, because Everybody needs a navigator on their ship, right? So you might be able to offer them a great navigator. You might be able to offer them a navigator at a lower price, but you're going to take a cut of their profits. So obviously then, this lets them live a life of great luxury. Their ship's quarters, just like their houses, are secluded and kept away from everybody else. Giant palaces in their own special district on Terra and dungeons full of their more inbred and slightly less useful spawn are just part and parcel of navigator culture. Which sounds great until you realise that they have the same lack of agency that the Rattlings or the Ogrens do. They're kept under total control. You have a life of immense privilege so long as you're useful as a navigator. If you're not going to be useful as a navigator, you're going to go live in the dungeons, be experimented on and then be euthanized. You have unity of purpose, which can be comforting, but it's your only purpose. You don't have any agency. Oh, and that one purpose you do carry out? It has a 100% fatality rate, because over time you will start to mutate, get weird powers, and have to go live with the other dungeon babies until you're destroyed. Which, if that wasn't bad enough, you also have to engage in all the duels, trade wards, and the other Nancy behaviour that noble families have to do. You're as likely to have three heads as you are to be wearing powdered wigs to royal gala. As likely to be shot in the head by an inquisitor as you are to reach the pinnacle of your profession. But let's be real here. The 
best type of mutant to be is definitely a navigator. Sure, you know you have a death sentence, and sure, you have to play all these family politics, you lose a lot of agency, but you will effectively live in a giant floating palace above a spaceship for 40-50 years, and feel great about everything until your fifth tentacle sprouts from the back of your head. While we're on the topic of things sprouting from the top of your head, the Beastmen are the space goats of Warhammer 40,000. They're just humans with cloven hooves and goat heads. They may or may not still be abhumans, it's not clear. They seem to have been retconned into being a disallowed abhuman strain, but they're just suicide squads made up of goat people. Um, also, possibly they could be dinner, I don't know. I mean, if you were starving on a planet and your auxiliary troops were goats, you, I mean, would you eat them? I probably would eat them, I don't, I, I don't know. In Imperial service, the goat men are likely to be all placed together under the leader of the biggest goat in the village, I suppose, and sent on suicide missions. So, you know, you have a chance to contribute and theoretically live an average-ish life for a sh very, very short period of time, because in a military known for suicide missions, you are the dedicated suicide troops. But I feel like out of the four types of abhuman we've already talked about so far, you're probably the most likely to get murdered in a pogrom, and definitely the most likely to get eaten by your fellow soldiers. Just like their buddies the Ogrens, the Beastmen have a simple and violent faith in the Emperor of Mankind. They believe that they can atone for their original sin of just plain existing by delivering blood for the blood god. That is not an exaggeration or a joke. They literally believe that by spilling the bloods of the Emperor, they do the Emperor's will. They are effectively Emperor Cornate cultists. So if they have been prescribed now as an unacceptable strain of human mutation, they're definitely going to fall to chaos. Those that aren't hunted in state-sanctioned pogroms are probably going to join chaos warbands and you would have beastmen in space quite similar to the beastmen army from Warhammer Fantasy. It's definitely the worst life of the four we've talked about so far and certainly something deserving of sympathy. But, you know, the lore does tell us that they're quick to temper and animalistic and they aren't just regular humans trapped in the body of goat people. They are actually kind of like goat people and it's not entirely clear uh, whether or not we should be sympathetic for them, but I personally am. And we don't really know very much about the other abhumans, whether or not we should be sad for them or happy that they have a good life. We have troths who are like tree people. They like live on a special planet and they like integrate with trees biologically and if you take them away from the trees they die and the trees die or something it's quite weird uh we've got long shanks who are just tall boys they're just very tall uh we've got a uh, pelager who are uh big fish boys fish boys just fish i don't know they just fish around uh we've got felonids who are either very very hairy or space cat girls not entirely clear but you can let your imagination go wild on that one and we've got neandors who are strong caveman types which Kind of sound like Ogrens, but I guess they're probably smaller than Ogrens and funnier and closer to looking like apes. Could be good for a kill team or a group of bounty hunters, whatever, a small infantry force of Neanderthals and cat girls fighting for the Emperor's glory. But navigators notwithstanding, there's very little hope for any of these abhumans to rise above their station or carve out their place among the stars. Unless, of course, you are part of the Leagues of Votan. 
The leagues of Votan are what we used to call the squats, or space dwarfs in Warhammer 40k, before they were eaten by Tyranids and then brought back and then changed and retconned into a new faction that has absolutely no lore or good books written about it whatsoever. So yes, they're dwarves in space on the surface, but what they really are are human-ish clones that live in a symbiotic society with sentient AI in colonies towards the centre of the galaxy. They go mining, they go grudging, they have great technology and they're fiercely loyal to their kin and their empire. They are a commercial entity and a military political entity all in their own right. They appear to be broadly allied or at least friendly with the Imperium, but you know, until we get some actual books out of the deal, we're not really going to know a whole lot about them, except for the fact that they're dwarves in space and they have plasma guns and they gave the Tau their plasma technology. So life for them is pretty damn good. Although they're clones, so technically are they abhumans or mutants? Maybe, maybe not. But they do get to go mining, they get to have access to greater technology than any Imperial citizen. They've got AI buddies who are totally chill and not trying to murder them like the Terminator. They've got wealth, cool armor, axes, beards, jet bikes, they're unlikely to face severe sanction or violence if they travel outside their own space. They'll just be called squats and looked down upon. You know, they're generally protected, and of course, if things ever went too far against them, they do have an empire to back them up. If you want to be an abhuman in 40k, you want to be a squat. You don't even want to be a navigator. You want to be a member of the Leagues of Votan. The mutants that left to their own devices have carved out their space among the stars. And that's the best thing and the saddest thing about the lore in 40k and what the existence of abhumans alongside other mutants adds to the setting. Their treatment is a great portrayal of part of imperial society that's violent, uncaring and rigid. You know, the way they're treated is believable even in the extreme scenarios that they're treated within their society in the future in this sci-fi setting. We can imagine marginalized groups who have been treated relatively similarly here on Earth even to this day. And that can be quite sobering. But the fact that the Votan exists is inspiring and it's fun and we get to see abhumans or non-normal humans or non-standard sapiens do cool things out in the galaxy. The treatment of mutants and the different types of mutants that there are also opens the door for general abhumans in the setting, right? There's going to be hundreds of billions of mutants all across the galaxy and there can be stories about them where they're the main characters and they can be super interesting, right? Maybe a buddy cop crime novel about a rattling and an ogre who are trapped on a planet and trying to uncover a political conspiracy. It's just about believable, depending on the planet, that they might not get flamethrower the second after they land. And that's another slightly sobering point. The Imperium, much like many parts of our society, uh treat tolerance as something that should be related to your productivity and value. Even the most authoritarian regimes in our history start making exceptions when they can get something they want out of you. Uh, it also shows how intoler intolerance can be incredibly broad, right? The odds of mutation in a galaxy and empire the size of the Imperium of Mankind are staggering. The idea that non-standard humans would be killed en masse is, is ridiculous. Although I'm sure it's more of a scale than a hard and fast rule. Like, you can be a little bit mutated, but, you know, when you start having extra eyes or, like, too many teeth, you're probably going to get executed or sent down to a salt mine or something like that. 
And that's cool because you can have stories about different levels of mutation and you can paint your own models or come up with your own ideas about how these people fit in. You can also come up with your ideas as to how Ogrens exist on multiple planets or or all these people seem to be genetically engineered to fulfill certain purposes. It's an unusual and a weird sandbox within what is an unusual and weird sandbox. But a lot of people dislike cookie cutter lore and cookie cutter factions and these are definitely something that is not that. So overall then, Imperial Society sucks, being an abhuman sucks, being a mutant sucks. But you can jumble it all together and come up with some great stories and learn some great lessons about life in general as well. Who would have ever thought that having a tentacle growing out the side of your head could be a subtle political message, but we do live in the world that we live in. So that's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening this far. And if you'd like to rate the podcast or reach out to us on Twitter or Reddit at the underscore GDBS, we'd be happy to chat. We'll be back in a couple of weeks talking about the five best jobs that the average Joe in the Star Wars universe can aspire to. So until then, keep your hobbies fun and dumb, because if you don't, you will become a prescribed strain of humanity and be sent to an intergalactic salt mine.